Corinthians chapter number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Start out here. I don't know if we'll stay here or not. Corinthians chapter number nine. Now, this uh, this is going to be a little different tonight, just in probably the way I approach uh, the message tonight, and uh, don't uh, know that I've uh, ever preached on this thought. But it's just what the Lord has laid on my heart, burdened my heart with. But I want to be real slow and careful uh, with the message tonight. Number one, just because of the subject that we're dealing with, uh, I think it would be wise uh, to treat it carefully and not to. Uh, when you start dealing with something like this, you don't want uh, you don't want anyone to get the wrong impression that you're saying something that you're not saying. Uh, so let's be careful tonight as we listen uh, and make sure you do listen. I don't want you to misrepresent or misunderstand what I'm trying to say tonight. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. And what I'm going to deal with tonight is basically our church as a whole. Okay? We've been praying that the Lord would keep a hedge of protection about us and uh, uh, touch us and lead us and guide us and direct us. And uh, we still need that. We're, we're looking for the Lord's direction and the Lord's leadership. Uh, and He knows what we stand in need of. Uh, the Lord's not taken by surprise over any situation, any matter, any time frame that we may find ourselves in. Uh, the, the ticket is making sure that we are in the center of the will of the Lord and, and allow him to, to help us navigate and move through uh, trials, tribulations of this life. All right. And I believe he can do that no matter what the trial, no matter what the situation, uh, no matter what the problem. I believe we serve a uh, savior today uh, that can give us exactly what we stand in need of uh, in our time of need. OK, first Corinthians chapter number nine. Let me uh, read a few verses of scripture here. We'll pray, try to give you the thought the Lord's laid on our heart. The Bible said, I'm not, uh, am I not an apostle? This is Paul, of course, writing to the church of Corinth. In his first letter here, he says, am not I, am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? Now he's asking some questions here. Verse number two says, if I be not an apostle unto others, Yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of my apostleship are ye in the Lord. He's saying, if I've not proven it anywhere else, I'm proving it right here. He said, my answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Now his answer, if you'll notice, uh, was those, this is what he's fixing to say here in these next verses of scripture, is his answer to them that examined him. All right, but his answer is given in the form of a question. And so his answer is this, and he's posing a question because he's trying to provoke a thought process. All right, and so as he's uh, attempting to get them to, to, to think about some things, I believe he's trying to get them to think about some things from his perspective. Now, wouldn't everybody like for people to consider what they were saying from their perspective? I really believe that it would behoove us uh, in all aspects of our life if we could consider the perspective of the person that we are talking to, all right? Not that you will always agree, not that you will find common ground, 
but at least you can lay your head at night down on your pillow knowing that you did endeavor to see from their eyes what they were saying. And when you walk away disagreeing, the person you're walking away from disagreeing or agreeing to disagree with can also lay their head down at night knowing that you did not leave any stone uncovered as you were approaching uh, what they were trying to say. All right, and I believe in all fairness, if we're going to be the Christian people that the Lord uh, has called us to be, we've got to do just that. All right. So the Bible said here, my answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? Or I only and Barnabas have not we power to forbear working. Now, what we're fixing to deal with here is the, is the fact that those who preach the gospel also live of the gospel. Okay? And uh, Paul is worthy of, of uh, being taken care of. He's doing all he can to preach the gospel and give the gospel uh, to a lost and dying world and also to a church. He's trying to help a church. Uh, in their trouble, in their time of need. I do want to say this. We can uh, we can contrast churches uh, with Corinth, and we can co- contrast certain churches with Philippi, but in all honesty, uh, we always should be looking at ourselves as a church that stands in need of direction from the Lord. Now, when we read Philippi, about the, the, to the, the, the book of Philippi, uh, Philippians, excuse me, and consider the church at Philippi, we almost read it from the aspect of a church that has attained to where they should be. And Paul respects them for where they were at in their Christian life. And we do understand there was trouble in Corinth. But we, if we would maintain uh, the attitude of, of uh, understanding that we stand in need of guidance and correction, uh, we, would, we would be in a good place here. But Paul's going to make some statements, and he's dealing with uh, these people that are examining him. I want to say this. We are under examination. Now, I will, I will be the first to tell you, I feel like that preachers, because of the position they hold, are always under a very, uh, a very tight microscope, okay? And that's not a bad thing. But he's, he's going to say some things that are thought-provoking here. He says, Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope. And that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown uh, unto you spiritual things, as uh, spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. He's saying here, these things we could have had. These things we could have asked of you. These things we would have been right in partaking of. 
And although we would have been right for doing it, or been in the right for doing it, I chose not to do it because I didn't want to hinder the gospel of Christ. He didn't want to give any occasion for anybody to have anything to say against him in his ministry. So he says, if others be partakers of this power of you or not, we rather, nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things lest we enter the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live with the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But I've used none of these things. Neither have I written these things. That it should be so done unto me. For it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glory void. In other words, he's saying I could, but I didn't. And I want to say to you tonight, there's sometimes when we consider others that there's some things we could do that aren't necessarily wrong for us to do them, but we don't do them because we don't want to give any occasion to hinder the gospel. So I want to say this, there's sometimes we can, but we don't. Okay? Now, I don't want to focus in on that. I've, I've got a broader scope here that I want to get to concerning our church as a whole, but I do want you to take notice here Paul wouldn't have been wrong in these things per se, but he said, I chose not to go down that road. He said, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. He knew the calling that he had on his life, and he considered it in all aspects. Okay? So verse 16, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. So this is what he says here in verse number 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews, now I want you to notice this. These are the verses I want to deal with tonight. The Bible said, and unto the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law. Being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak, I made all things all men, that I might by all means save some. Now, he understood, now listen to this, that he wasn't going to save them all. From the forefront to the end of his ministry, Paul was aware that he would not save them all. But he was aware that he was going to do everything within his power not to hinder the gospel. Okay? And he, he says, and this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the master is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. 
All right, now let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. We do pray. Give us the wisdom. Give us the clarity of thought and speech. Lord, to bring this out. Uh, Lord, not to not to call attention to uh, anybody in particular in our church, but that when I'm done preaching, each individual here in this place tonight could consider our church as a whole and what we must do, Lord, to, to bring glory and honor to your name and benefit not only the gospel of Christ, or the, 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 the going out of the gospel of Christ, those that we're trying to reach, but also benefit each brother and sister in Christ in this local assembly for the furtherance of the gospel. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now here's, here's where I want to hone in on right here uh, tonight for just a few minutes. The Bible here, Paul says in verse number 19, For thought I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew. And we go on down through here and he's talking about all the things he became to all men. Now this does not mean that Paul was a chameleon. This does not mean that Paul compromised the gospel. This does not mean that Paul uh, went against God in any manner. But it does mean this. If it meant getting down in the trenches with a man digging the ditch, Paul got down in the trenches and dug in the ditch. If it meant uh, becoming as a Jew, not 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 necessarily coming under the law, not not forgetting grace, not forgetting Christ and Him crucified and coming under the law, but 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 being as the Jews were. You say, preacher, I don't understand. Well, let me let me try to give you just a little bit of a thought, and the Lord just worked this in my heart. I've, the Lord just just worked this in my heart this week and brought a, a chain of events. To bring my mind into this 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 mode that I'm in right now, but I prayed very hard before Brother Holloway come uh, that Sunday, several Sundays back now, that the Lord would give us what we stood in need of. All right, now I understand he was a missionary, and I, I was praying mission mindedly, but I also said, Lord, you can take a message that a man preaches that don't know anything about our church, and you can help folk in our church through the Word of God. And I've seen preachers preach messages that uh, one would think probably did not have anything to do with an individual, yet it wrought something in their heart. I've had the Lord deal with my heart on things and a preacher preach for an hour, but make one statement in his message that really didn't have much else to do with anything else, but it just, it captured me and broke my heart and it brought me to an altar of repentance. And as he was preaching, I, he, he, he helped me through the preaching, but it was the phone call the following day. And he was mentioning to me, you know, I told you the story about him running into the, the Sudanese gentleman down here uh, at the gas station and talked to him. But it's not, it's not him meeting that man that, that's, that's been coming into my mind. It's something that he said to me on the phone. And as he called me and was sharing the story with me, he, he makes this statement and he says, uh, uh, he, uh, he stated as he contacted me that he had met this gentleman uh, and that he had invited this gentleman to our church. Then he says to me that he hoped that would be all right. And when he, my first initial response to him was, of course that is all right. And then I made the comment to him. I said, I preached, because we understand there was approximately 70 of these Sudanese refugees that have wound up in Blount County. So I made this statement to him, and I made it just, I mean, as quickly as he said what he said to me about 
He hoped that it would be all right. My initial response was, of course, it's all right. I said, I would preach to all 70 of them if I could get them to come. And uh, then I got to thinking. My second response was not audible. To myself, I questioned why he would feel reservations about having taken the liberty to invite the man. So as I pondered on it, and I I really, in all honesty, thought within my heart, why would Brother Holloway feel the reservation or the need to ask me if it was all right to invite a man to our church? And then it dawned on me, you know, everything seems wonderful when we're speaking hypothetically. But when the rubber meets the road and we were actually to see it come to pass, would we feel that way? You say, well, what do you mean? Well, my third response to my second response in which I did not actually speak to Brother Holloway, I just have a chain of events going on in my head while I'm considering all this. I'm trying to analyze my second response. That of being, why would he feel reservations about asking me that? Then I got to thinking, if this Sudanese gentleman were to come to our church and he were to bring all 70 to our church, you realize that it would totally change the dynamic of our church. Now, I want you to think about that. I began to think about the history of the church and I thought about previous pastors and I thought about, uh, you know, the other day we preached on what's happened in the last fiscal year and been thinking about time and process of time and just time's been on my mind. I don't know why I can't explain that to you, but it has been. And I considered the dynamic of our church and how it would change if what I actually said to him, I asked myself, did you mean that when you said it? And I did mean it when I said it. But as I thought about it, I had to question myself and start trying to break down. Yet again, why would Brother Holloway feel reservations about asking that? Because he knew it would change the dynamic of our church. And you say, why is that? Well, you just consider the church. we got some people sitting in this uh, sanctuary uh, tonight that, that seen this church in, under previous pastors when this church was a lot more full than it is tonight. Uh, we, 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 had, uh, we had, there was other things going on in the church than what we have going on tonight. That things are not the same. There are people here that can remember it when it was different. And there are people here tonight that don't know what it was at all 10 or 12 years ago. There wouldn't be any, there wouldn't be anything to base that on. I can't remember anything about this church except for what I know of this church when I came here. Okay. But I can tell you this tonight, the dynamic in this church, what we know as a body and what we are accustomed to tonight, I don't believe is going to be necessarily the same as it would have been. 10, 12, 15 years ago. And I'm not saying it's good or bad or indifferent. I'm not calling attention to, to that at all. What I'm saying is though the, the dynamic changed. We have people in this sanctuary t- tonight that's not been here all that long. People that have joined the church in the last year that haven't been here all that long. But I want to say this, uh, the culture is what I'm getting at here. I'm trying to drive a point if I can, if I can get to it. You, you bring 70 Sudanese refugees, and I make the statement, yeah, we'd, we'd preach the 70 of them if we could get them in here, all 70 of them. And I meant it when I said it, and I still mean it. I'm not backing up from that. Please don't misunderstand me. But I want us to understand, 
when we come into church, if they were to come and they were to be here and hypothetically they sat in the auditorium or the sanctuary and they listened to the word of God and they interacted as a church, they joined the church. Hallelujah. But our dynamic would change. Culturally, our church would be different. And we would have to work as a church in that in that different atmosphere. Now here's what I want to explain to you. We get comfortable in an atmosphere. We do. We get comfortable with something being familiar to us. And when things get unfamiliar, we get uncomfortable. And I'm speaking from experience because I'm an uncomfortable person. I, I, I can get in a position that makes me uncomfortable relatively quickly. It's my nature. But I, I was just thinking about how different our church would be culturally. Then I started considering, to be all honest with you, the culture of our church now. And I want to say this, we, we, we read Romans 1 and 16. The Bible says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation of everyone that believes it to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So God is no respecter of persons. Christ died for all of the human race. Anyone that would believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, can be saved. But culturally, we're not, we're not on the same page as other churches in other areas of the country or on foreign field. Brother Holloway sent out a video, and I got it personally on our church email, uh, and he was showing the, the, the churches that he had started or had a hand in starting in these uh, regions of Africa where he was at. And as I watched the videos of the congregations interacting with one another, and I have nothing against any human being that has a different skin color than me. I want to make that statement clear tonight. But there were several uh, members of this congregation that were black, and here's Brother Holloway stood out. He's white as, as a golf ball. And he stands out. He stood out in a, in a crowd of Sudanese uh, believers. All right? Now, as far as the Lord Jesus Christ is concerned, they're all covered under one blood, right? They're under the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ that saves us and pardons us from our sin. But to our eyeballs, Brother Holloway would have stood out in that crowd. And then I got to thinking, you know, sometimes in a church setting... If someone is culturally different than someone else, we don't realize it. They may not realize it, but they have a tendency to stand out because they're not culturally the same. Are they saved by the grace of God? Absolutely. Are they on their way to heaven? Absolutely. But I'll say this, sometimes things get lost in cultural differences. And boy, the Lord just really helped me with this. And I began to think about my own experiences. And I, you've heard me say I don't, I don't like to preach experiences, but I believe experiences can help us as long as we don't take them out of context or allow them to override what the Scripture said. But I want to say this today. I also don't have any problem with anybody that lives north of the Mason-Dixon line. Okay? So don't misunderstand me there either. But I am what you call hillbilly. All right? That's just who I am. Work real hard to try to refine some of that, but I am still that, okay? And occasionally, Brother, Brother Martin agreed with that. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, though, I, I had a, uh, an opportunity to go to 
uh, Pennsylvania and preach in a church that was looking for a pastor. And uh, I'll be honest with you. I was, if I could use this for an example, I was Brother Holloway in that situation. I stood out like a sore thumb. Not that they did not receive me, not that they did not love me, but culturally there were some differences. I put sugar in my tea and gravy on my biscuits, okay? They don't do that up there. I'm just, I'm just saying, I, that's, that's just one small example. But my, 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 my dialect, my tone, some of the southern expressions that I would use naturally that most everyone in this area would understand was not understood. When you say something and everybody just looking at you and you see the confusion on everyone's face, you're realizing what you said did not make a connection. But had you been in another atmosphere, the atmosphere that you was used to, it would have made the connection. And it's not that you were trying to, to, to be different or, or indifferent. It, it just naturally happened that way. So here's what I'm, here's what I want to, here's what I want to try to express to us as a church. Number one, no matter what happens in our future or who the Lord brings into our church and allows us to preach the gospel to, Regardless of what we are familiar familiar with as our uh, our own personal culture that we would relate to, we must be aware of the fact that things get lost in cultural differences. And there are some differences that I think we need to look at tonight, not necessarily specifically to our church. Uh, I wouldn't want to call any particular individual out, but what I'm saying is I, I have noticed in our church not just in maybe cultural differences, uh, age bracket differences, uh, just, just, just things of that nature that would cause things to get lost that didn't mean to be lost in, in conversation. You have diversity in age, diversity in culture, and you have diversity in personal inhibitions. Now, I believe it would behoove us, not that we are having a problem with it, but that we should be aware of it. And so my, my message tonight is really this. I believe awareness dampens awkwardness. And I believe sometimes if we're not aware of the culture differences, this is not to mean, this is not to say that we're not still going to have to work on this. You, if, if the example I'm giving you of 70 refugees come into our church, we would have to work hard to adapt as a church for that cultural difference. Understanding that they would have to rise up from their cultural, uh, uh, their culture and meet us part of the way, but we would also have to come down, uh, or vice versa, maybe they would have to come down and we would have to come up, but I'm saying we would have to kind of have to meet in the middle. I had to work exceptionally hard, is what I'm saying, the Sunday that I preached in Pennsylvania. To, to say the things that I felt like the Lord would have me say, but portray them in a manner that they could understand because I got lost in the cultural differences. It was such an awkward thing for me that I was so happy to hit the trail and head back to Tennessee, I could have jumped for joy. And it wasn't because them people treated me badly. Matter of fact, they took exceptionally good care of us. They fed us, they put us up, they treated us well, they were nice to us, but there was a cultural difference. And I, I, if the Lord had placed me there, that's where I'd be. 
But I'll tell you this, it's been a lot harder for me to have ministered there because of my own personal culture being so much different than that. So I want to say this, I believe that it would help us, and maybe this maybe this just seems like a weird message, but I just feel like the Lord would, would if we're going to do anything, we have a vision for the Lord, and we're not satisfied sitting where we're sitting right now, just going like we're going, because understanding if we don't change and adapt and move forward like we're hoping to do over a period of time, this thing will fold up and it will be gone. So our goal is to see folks saved by the marvelous grace of God. I don't care who the folks are. Yet, red, yellow, black, or white, purple, polka dotted, I don't care. I want them in the house of God. And if they're willing to come, I'm willing to preach to them. And understanding it'll be difficult. That, and that is exactly the word I meant to use. It'll be difficult to adapt culturally. By understanding this, I want you to understand the person that is uh, that is uh, not culturally like you are will be the one that has to struggle the most because they, they are the ones on the outside trying to be on the inside. Even though you may love them, even though you may uh, appreciate them being here, we have to be aware of it, okay? So I believe we have to pay attention uh, to the cultural differences. All right, so um, we understand here that uh, he did not say, the Lord, the Bible doesn't teach that we are to share the gospel with only those within our culture. The commission is that we are to go out of the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, to send people abroad. And I understand you and I can't be on foreign field and be here doing what the Lord wants us to do here as well. We do support missions. But I, I do want to say this. Sometimes we have a tendency to only deal with things in our comfort zone, me included. All right. Now, there are certain ways of going about things that sometimes it's easier to break the ice in certain circumstances than others. I get it. I've been there. I've done it. I know um, it's a lot easier for me to talk to somebody, Brother Shane, that's got a hammer on their belt or a pair of overalls on and some work boots. I just have a tendency to relate to that. I'm probably not going to gravitate to the guy that's in the BMW and the three piece suit. Although I will give them a try to talk to them, too. I'm saying naturally I'm talking about by nature who I talk to. I can sit down with Brother Gene and talk till I'm blue in the face until he's sick of talking to, I'm sure. Because there's some things that we can relate to. I'm just, I'm just that way. But you have to work at, 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 at dealing with getting out of the comfort zone. All right? So let me say this. Although I believe you would agree with me tonight, it would be good that we could have someone come in the house of God, sit under sound preaching, get gloriously saved, get discipled, and do something with the cause of Christ Understanding, though, we may have some cultural roadblocks that we have to overcome. And we must, if we're going to have that dynamic, and I'll say this, if we're going to do anything with the cause of Christ, we will eventually have that dynamic. We have that dynamic to a degree in this church now. You need to understand that. We have people in our church, and I, I know this gets a little plain, but... But just give me some grace and love me through it because I'm trying to help us. We have people in this church that are elderly and we have people that are young. We have opposite genders. We have people that are from different parts of the country in our church. And so what do we do? We, we have a tendency to only look at things through our eyes and naturally understand it through our own eyes. 
And it is difficult to stop and put on another set of eyeballs and try to relate. But I'll say this. If you can't relate, if you don't understand, it would be good to say something about it. Do you know it's our nature to hide from it? Honestly, it's our nature to hide from it. It really is. If somebody in this church said something to me that went over my head, I would probably just try to smile, act like it's all right, and go on home thinking, what were they talking about? Rather, and they might go home going, why in the world did you not answer my question? My question? You know, and, and just you got lost in culture, cultural differences or something, and you didn't, you didn't say, it's all right. You know, if we're going to overcome it, we're going to have to overcome it. We're going to have to figure each other out. I know my wife better than I ever did. Every day that I'm married to her, I know her a little bit better. Because I've been around her and I understand. And 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 so let me let me, let me give you one more example just quickly. My boss is from South Louisiana. And when I first started working, luckily for me, I had worked in South Louisiana before he became my boss. So I had an opportunity to learn what a deep southern Cajun uh, was really like. They are hard to understand if you have never been around one. Okay? And they can rattle off. They get mad and they'll start hollering and screaming in French. And you don't know if they're talking to you or somebody else. And uh, so I had been around them. And when I went to work for the company that I work for now, my boss, of all things, was a deep south Louisiana Cajun. They're hot-tempered little fellers, too. And the, you get lost in the cultural differences. I lived in Texas for a couple years and just... Just two hours, three hours from where he was from is a totally different culture. He wasn't from another country. He was from Louisiana. And, and I, I had a hard time understanding him. It took some time. They, I didn't know you could go to Texas and get made fun of in Texas for being a hillbilly. Would you believe that? I went to Texas and they made fun of me for being a hillbilly. I said, I didn't know the further south you got, you could still be made fun of for living in the south. But they did. They made fun of me. But when I come back to Tennessee, they said I talk like a Texan. Couldn't, I, I couldn't understand that. My aunt left Georgia and she went to Wisconsin. And I promise you, you cannot tell that woman ever lived in Georgia. She acts like she lived in Wisconsin her whole life. Eh? You know, you could, you, when she said, she said that to me the first time, I said, what? And she puts eh on the end of everything she says now. And I, I'm like, where did that come from? I've known you my whole life. That's her. That's, that's the way she is now. She's taken on and adapted to the culture she's around. So I want us to understand that we, we need to pay attention to cultural differences. All right. So and, and, and I'm saying this all from the platform of Paul saying he was all things to all men. Paul was willing to adapt to his surroundings for the sake of the gospel. Paul did not only stay with the people that he could comprehend and understand how they were culturally. He, he, he got the gospel out to all men in all situations, all right? And so I think we need to, we need to pay attention to that uh, tonight. Okay, so considering this matter of uh, awareness, uh, I believe dampening awkwardness, I want to consider three things quickly, most of what we've already uh, dealt with uh, tonight, but we'll make a few points here and then we'll go to the house, all right? Um, uh, let me say this, in, in the South, and I'm dealing with the culture of the South because we're a church in the South. And it may not be, uh, as it's not really as prevalent here as a lot of other churches that I have been in, 
But you will find, I think, especially in independent Baptist churches, that uh, in the South, Southern people that go to independent Baptist churches automatically think of Southern culture as Bible culture. So what do you mean? Old time religion. Have you ever heard that statement? Now that statement's used up north the same as it is down south. There are churches in the north that use, and, and uh, you know, King James Bible, stand on the truth, have old time camp meetings, you know, old, old fashioned revivals. But here in the south, we, we automatically in our culture assume that uh, when we consider southern culture, that's what Bible culture is. And here I have gone to an independent Baptist church in Pennsylvania that supposedly preached old time religion and I felt like I was the odd man out. And uh, it made me that uncomfortable. It really did. And I'll say this, I don't believe they were able to adapt or understand my culture. Uh, so that made it harder on me. Okay? So uh, I, I, was just, I was just thinking, there's been instances in our church here again, now I'm not naming names and nor am I picking on anybody. I'm making us aware tonight. That's all I'm doing, making us aware. I believe in my heart that everybody in this church tonight loves everybody. So this is not about uh, somebody being odd or being different or loving somebody more than another. This is to help us, not to point out differences in individuals. But there have been instances in the church where people have not been in, in church. We've been in the building, but not in the actual meeting itself and just in conversation and fellowship a group of people would say something that was funny and another individual look at them almost as if what they said was arrogant or mean. And in all reality, it was a cultural difference. It got Something got lost in the culture. I've had, I've had people come to me and say things to me being friendly that went over the top of my head. I have said things to others and watched it go right by them. And the problem was, as I didn't slow down and put it in a different manner where everyone universally could understand it. It come out with my cultural dialect and my southern dialect. So, so here's, what I'm, here's what I'm getting at is. What I'm getting at is, I believe if we could consider that we are, and uniquely, let me say this, uniquely in this body, we are a diverse group of people. We really are. We've got young people, older people. We've got people that's come from different backgrounds. We have people that's come from different parts of the country. And, and I love every one of you is the same. Okay? Uh, I really mean that. I really do. But because we are a diverse group of people, and I think it's healthy. I will say that. I believe it's healthy. I think that somebody that's, that's of uh, maybe a different culture than I am, that come to this church and sat down in this church and visited with us, but yet had somebody else that was from their culture that they could relate to, it, 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 it's comfortable for them. So I'm, 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 I'm all for that. But I want us to understand with diversity comes misunderstanding. It really does. Even in culture where people are all from one group, you really understand that there's a misunderstanding between age groups. Really, I, and I, I'm going to pick on Brother Gene because he won't mind and he, he will understand it, okay? And that's why I'm using Brother Gene. If you get mad at me, I'm going to get you, okay? 
uh, but Brother Gene, I believe Brother Gene would use a telephone in his home to call out to somebody because I've talked to him on the telephone. That doesn't seem foreign to Brother Gene. Some of the technology that's out there today that I use is as foreign to Brother Gene as anything ever has been. And guess what? He ain't never going to use it. <laughs> okay? But somebody else in the church would. But if you're having a conversation about it, it may go right by Brother Gene. But Brother Gene can talk about some things that he can remember from his young years of living as a boy. Gene can say something that goes by my, my way of thinking because I don't I wasn't around it or I wasn't Guess what? Me and Brother Gene's both from the South, both from relatively the same area in the United States. But he knows things that I don't know about because of the age difference. Does that make me more uh, uh, better than Brother Gene or Gene better? No. It just means this. If I'm going to have a conversation with Brother Gene about something that he's not familiar with, I'm going to have to talk to him about it on a level that is teaching. I'm going to have to say, well, Brother Gene, this is what this does. And it, not that what I'm talking about would even really matter, but I'm saying if he really wanted to know about it and he didn't know anything about it, I would have to break it down where he could understand it. If Brother Gene wants to talk to you about a mowing scythe from back in the 30s, you don't know what a mowing scythe is. He's going to have to break it down for you so you can understand it. That does not make one dumb. It makes us ignorant to the culture. And I'm not using ignorant in a, in a nasty, mean way. But I'm saying when we are trying to get the Word of God out, if we're only using our cultural, what we're familiar with and what we know to get it out, we could miss somebody from a totally different culture. All right, so we have to consider that. Now, so you consider age. And uh, you, you, you have, like I said, you've got one age bracket that maybe really gets a hold of the most modern technology, but misses some history that's very important. And, the, and it's vice versa. All right. Then, as we've mentioned, I mentioned culture already. I don't think we have to really get into culture too much. But then we got diversity and personal inhibitions. Now, I bring this up because if you didn't know me, and my wife can tell you I'm sociable, but I'm sociable within a crowd. There are people that I am comfortable with by nature. If I'm at the co-op buying tractor tires, Anybody that comes through there buying tractor tires, I could talk to them. There are people that I have a hard time talking to apart from the scripture, apart from the Bible, just I have a hard time with it. Personal inhibition is a feeling that makes one self-conscious and unable to act in a relaxed and natural way. You ever been in church with Gene and felt uncomfortable? Every one of us in this church at some point in our life, is still uncomfortable in a situation. Do you know why? Because we were out of our element. And you know where the fruit is at on a tree? It's out on the end of the limb. Sometimes you've got to climb the tree and get out on the end of the limb to get the fruit and hope that the person that's below you don't cut you out, cut the limb off from the tree. But you, you put yourself out on a limb. Everything about this Bible seems like everything about Scripture, everything about witness, and everything about soul winning, Everything about doing what the Lord wants you to do has a tendency to put one out on a limb. And even when we feel like we're out on the limb doing what God wants us to do, if we really stop and consider it, we're doing it from within our own comfort zone even then. Even then, we're doing what we're doing 
from within our own comfort zone. You pull one of us out, take us with Brother Holloway down there with him to Africa. I'm going to be in a different element, Brother Shane. I would. I'd have to take Brother Shane with me so I could have somebody to talk to, I guess. Because I would just be out of my element. Now, it's not to say you couldn't get the gospel up. That's not to say you couldn't help. That's not to say you couldn't do what the Lord called you to do. But it'd take you some time to adapt. And because we get... I believe everything that I'm telling you tonight is subconsciously happening with every one of us and we don't realize it. Because me, pastor in a church, has a tendency not to realize it. It took some experiences that brought me out of that comfort zone to, to let me relate to what I'm saying to you. I had no, I, I really wasn't prepared for what I was going to get myself into when I went to Pennsylvania. I've been preaching for a long time, preaching for quite a few years, actually. The Lord actually gave me what I thought was the messages for the hour. I went prepared to preach. When I got there, I wasn't prepared to preach. I was prepared to give what the Lord had given me, but I, I did not. I missed, I missed the, the element of surprise, considering the culture differences. Okay, but because there's diversity in personal inhibitions, there are going to be things that you're comfortable with other people are not in this church. And the more the church grows, the more you're going to find that. Now, the problem about personal inhibitions is people that have personal inhibitions do not want to portray their personal inhibitions, nor do they want to talk about them. That's what a personal inhibition is. It's a feeling that makes one self-conscious and unable to act and relax the natural way. So if I'm not feeling relaxed and in a natural way, I probably don't want to deal with it or talk about it. And so you hide from it, even within your own self. And it's on both ends of the spectrum. It can be someone that's shy or someone that can't shut their mouth. Someone that can't shut their mouth says something they shouldn't say. Then they feel like a dummy. Someone that has a hard time talking. They're, they're going to be a little more reserved. And what happens is you get lost in the difference. In the diversity of the inhibition, you get lost. I could sit here and go, what's this person's problem? That person's problem is, is they have a personal inhibition I'm not recognizing because they're trying to keep it under wraps. Then I misunderstand it, and if I'm not careful, I will, I will take away from that the wrong understanding. That's where we have got to learn each other, love each other, have grace with one another, consider one another, and talk to one another. And that's not always easy to do either. But I'll say this, if we love one another like we say we do, you know, people have a hard time opening up. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to be done with this thought, but I'm going to finish this thought. You have no idea. I mean, no idea what the person beside you, in front of you, behind you has gone through in their life. And I dare say that there's a lot of us tonight that have gone through things we probably will never share with another individual. You'd have no idea. I've said in church, listen to me now. I've said in church. Matter of fact, every church I've ever went to. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to share this thought with you. And, and I didn't ask permission to do it. And I guess I'll find out if it was all right after church when I get my wife back home. But every church we've ever sat in, there's been a preacher stand up and get in a big way and talk about the blessings of God. 
And uh, he means nothing by what he says, but he'll say, oh, yeah, and, and, and he'll and he be talking about a foreign country or somebody that's over there starving to death. You know? And he'll say, but, but he says, we've been blessed. There ain't nobody in the sound of my voice this morning or this evening that, that's ever understood what it is to really be hungry. And then I'll be sitting there beside my wife knowing some personal history about some things in, in our childhood where there wasn't nothing to eat. When people didn't care. When you were by yourself wondering if you was going to find a meal or have to go, go out and dig one up somewhere. Preacher didn't mean anything by it. He assumes everyone in the, in the auditorium would never have understood what that's like. But it just goes to show you, you don't know what somebody's dealt with or what's going on in their life. And those are not things typically people talk about. And to be honest with you, you got to get real close to somebody before you're willing to open up and share those kinds of things, if you ever do. If you ever do. But I'll say this, the more you know somebody, the more, the more I don't know limb you are, you know, and you open yourself up to hurt. And people that's been hurt don't want to be hurt no more. They don't want to be hurt no more. So number one, God, help us not to hurt somebody. And, and Lord, help us to be the type of people that are approachable and willing to learn what somebody else is all about when on all honesty, we may think, but we have no clue. We have no clue. I, I will I probably I wouldn't share I wouldn't share these stories, but I've got a I've got a library of stories stories in my mind that I know would, would shock you of things that, that I know has happened or what people have gone through in my life. That nobody should have to witness or go through. But it's not something that that I talk about or my wife would talk about. And I know that about me and, and I know that about you because I know human nature. And human nature is when you go through things that are hard and troubles and trials and tribulations, it's not something that you share. A lot of people try to forget stuff and suppress it and put it away and hide from it. I'll say this, I'm supposed to love you and you're supposed to love me. And I'll say this, I'll let you love me. See, I talk a lot about loving other people, but I don't talk too much about letting folk love you. And if we're going to let folk love us, we're going to have to know something about us. And the only way to do that is to genuinely show that you care about people and to form a relationship with people. And the more you learn and the more you know and the more you can relate to an individual, the more you can help minister to each other's needs. See, I'm finding out that sometimes we miss how to minister to people because we don't understand what we're really dealing with. You know, the only way for you to find out how, what you're dealing with is you're going to have to have the ability to be trusted in a manner. I mean, my wife, and listen, and I understand there's things in your life that only your wife or your husband need to know. Please, the goodness, don't come to me and open up some things I don't want to know. But what I'm saying is I want you to, to know that you can trust me or that I can trust you enough that if I have to to lean on you that I can and that I'm not going to be here to hurt you. See, people are reactive and feel like people are out to get them when sometimes they're not. And there's some people that are out to get you when they shouldn't. But don't let me find them people because I'll deal with them. As long as I'm here, I want us to understand we will have cultural differences, but we can overcome them. And because if we can't, if we can't overcome them in the group setting that we're in right now, we're not ready for the Lord to send us people into this church to get saved and be disciples. 
If we are not ready in this group to do that, we're hurting. We want the Lord to send us people. We want souls for our labor. We want to disciple people. But are we really ready for it? And I find out occasionally from time to time that I ain't ready for it. I want it. I think I'm ready for it. But I, I go through a learning experience every once in a while that sets me back and causes me to have to reevaluate some things. And I think, honestly, in this church, as a, as a majority rule, I think people want us to, to have souls in here, souls get saved and see this church grow and do good things. But it will not happen in today's society if we get caught up in our cultural, uh, who we are culturally, and stay within that box. And I know that that's hard to do. It's hard to get out of, outside of what you know. But it'll have to be done. See, we're expecting folk to get outside of their comfort zone and come to church and get saved. That's, that's, that's hard for them to do. They're in sin. You know, a lot of people that's in sin go to other people that's in sin to justify their sin so that they don't have to put up with what you have to tell them. Do you realize that's the same thing that happens to folk inside the church? They naturally gravitate to what they know. That's why some people will show up and you'll see somebody go talk to them and hang out with them, but they won't talk to nobody else because there's a, there's something that you're missing in how to relate to them. And instead of walking off, it might do you some good to put some effort into finding out more about the individual. And when you do that, you're able to minister in a more personal way, whereas you was missing it before. I'm done tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for helping us tonight. We thank you for... for helping us get through the word of God. We thank you for this passage of scripture that exemplifies Paul's willingness to adapt to those that he was around. And uh, Lord, I in no stretch of the imagination want people to walk away from this message assuming that I feel like we should compromise or move away from our standards or our Bible, but Lord, that we are to try to culturally understand uh, and look through other people's eyes so that we can help minister and help them uh, in their time of need. Lord, we all stand in need uh, from time to time of certain things. I stand in need of things. Folk uh, stand in need of things. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, to be able to know when that right time is. And then, Lord, when that right time is there, how to go about it. I fear, Lord, that sometimes we get lost. We get lost in our, uh, our inability to diversify and to, to understand other viewpoints and other cultures not that we are to change from the doctrine of the word of God, not that we are to change on our standards, but we should consider uh, some more about other people and how they live other than just how we live and what we do. Lord, this is foreign to a lot of people. It's uncomfortable for most. And I pray as we have looked at this and this being a very odd, very strange message uh, that I believe is very beneficial. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us take uh, this message and consider it in great detail, pray about it, Lord, and then wait upon you to help us become better at understanding one another so that when we have lost souls get saved by the grace of God, when we have a diverse group of people need need to be discipled, Lord, we have the wherewithal and the understanding, Lord, coupled with the love in our heart to be able to help them. We love you tonight. Lord, we thank you that you, you were willing to die for us on the cross at Calvary and shed your precious blood to make atonement for our sin. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us as we go out into the rest of this work week and you'd use this for your glory and for your honor. And Lord, that we would be willing to get out on the edge of the limb to get the fruit that you want us to get. We love you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. All right, I want to think about having any announcements or anything uh, before we dismiss. I want to say this. It's good to have a visitor with us. would like to have you back. Enjoyed having you in the service. Uh, anything else before we dismiss?